Hi, I'm Mike Mazza. I'm a visiting fellow with the American Enterprise Institute and a non-resident fellow with the Global Taiwan Institute and the German Marshall Fund. Uh, and I'm joined by Jessica Drun, a non-resident fellow at the Project 2049 Institute. And we're here today to talk about Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan has been in the news quite a bit recently, uh, both for, for good reasons, um, starting with its exemplary response to COVID-19, and for not so good reasons, uh, namely the what seem to be in increasingly frequent and overt acts of hostility from China. Um, Taiwan has a thriving democracy that's under threat. It's a top U.S. trading partner. It's an important U.S. security partner. So it's it's really good to see this renewed attention to Taiwan, both from the press and from analysts in Washington and elsewhere. Uh, but in that reporting and in that analysis, uh, we're seeing a lot of common misconceptions bandied about. Um, and so, Jessica, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about one of your favorite, or, or perhaps I should, should say one of your least favorite uh, of those misconceptions. Sure, um, and it's a pleasure to be here. I think the most important misconception that we need to dispel is that the One China policy, or at least the US One China policy, is one and the same as Beijing's One China principle. This is blatantly untrue. The US One China policy is its own, and Washington does not take a position on the status of Taiwan, and this is often misconstrued. We see a lot of writing that says that the US recognizes that Taiwan is a part of China, and that is blatantly untrue. Um, getting it right really helps to underscore why the United States acts the way it does in regards to Taiwan and the space we have preserved for actions with Taiwan, um, which China works to undermine and deny us of by actively conflating our one China policy with its one China principle. Um, do you have any additional misconceptions you think we need to touch on? Um, yeah, I mean, look, there are a few. I think one that I would highlight is the the, the common description of Tsai Ing-wen, the president of Taiwan, um, as being pro-independence. Um, she's not. She she clearly favors a continuation of the cross-strait status quo. Uh, president Tsai hasn't canceled any cross-strait agreements. She hasn't cut off communications with China. She has endorsed the, the current Republic of China constitutional order. And she's called for continuing dialogue uh, without political preconditions. Um, look, if either side is opposed to the status quo, it's China, which launched a pressure campaign on, on Taiwan following Tsai's election. Um, and that, that pressure campaign continues to this day. It's featured the severing of cross-strait communications mechanisms, the use of economic leverage, poaching of diplomatic allies, attempts to further isolate Taiwan on the international stage, um, and especially recently, frequent military operations designed, at least in part, to intimidate the Tsai government and, and the people of Taiwan. Um, Jessica, would you talk a bit about um, you know, what you see as the domestic political developments in Taiwan that, that China may be responding to? Sure. Um, I see three main domestic political developments that have um, led to a hardened approach by China. The first is demographic trends. Um, Taiwan's domestic politics in terms of the identification of its people as uniquely Taiwanese are moving away from the direction that China wants it to go, um, which is a direction with closer ties to China and a shared greater Chinese identity as the path to unification. The second is um, the wholesale rejection of the one country, two systems framework across party lines in Taiwan. And the final is um, that China's preferred partner of choice, the KMT, is currently facing um, internal fac internal factionalism and may no longer be a viable um, 
partner of choice for them. And so what happens then when the KMT can no longer serve as the balancing force in cross relations is a question that I think um, we'll need to come to terms with moving forward if they do not reform. Um, do you, I guess moving then, do you have thoughts on the broader cross-strait dynamics? Yeah, look, I, I think um, to your point, China is watching all this very closely. Um, I think it, it, it is assessed that it, you know, an earlier attempt at you know what we might call detente uh, when Ma Ying-jeou and Hu Jintao were in office, that that, that failed. Um, and rather than uh, do a do a rethink of its ultimate ultimate goals and the sort of fundamentals governing its approach to Taiwan, it, it's opted for a go hard approach. I, I think Xi Jinping and those around him have have assessed that um, coercion is the the only way that they're going to achieve their goals vis-a-vis um, -vis Taiwan, and and that leads to I think what we're what we're seeing today higher tensions. Um, I think less stability in, in the Taiwan Strait, and, and the potential for, you know, for things to go, to go very, very wrong. Now, anything else you wanna you wanna add about where things may be headed? Um, I would say that you know the domestic political trends are only going to move further away from um, what China wants as we move forward um, with the number of proposed amendments right now on lowering the voting age. Uh, the youth tend to vote more likely. Um, with the DPP. So, you know, these will be issues that we face and that the U.S. and its allies will have to deal with um, for years to come. All right. Well, uh, thanks for for joining me today. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll watch this closely as the, the election draws near.